to my latest podcast, Little Red Typewriter, where you follow my journey to get my first book published this year. In this second series, whilst I'm waiting for the big edit and production of my own book, I'm chatting and interviewing other writers and speakers who are a few steps ahead of me in getting their messages out into the world. So today I'm joined by the lovely Nicola Reynolds from Pixie Box. She's a web solution expert and basically helps people find their way through the maze of technology. So welcome Rachel, uh, sorry Nicola, how are you doing? I'm fine, thank you, are you? Yes, very, very fine. And what's the weather like over where you are in the woods? Uh, it's a little bit chilly, uh, but it's dry, so it's not too bad. I know, but for May, honestly, this is chilly for May, especially when there was a ground frost last night. And I'm like, seriously, I've actually had sunburn on May the 1st in the past. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit crazy, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So um, I'm hoping the rest of this uh, this month is going to be a lot warmer than April because the poor old plants don't know whether to, to kind of poke their little heads out without getting frozen stiff. Um, so, okie dokie. So today I'm going to kick off with the question I ask all my guests, Nicola, and it's basically, do you think writing is an art or do you think it's a craft or basically do you think it's a bit of a mixture of both of them? Oh, that's a bit of a tricky one because art implies that it's something that you have a inclination to do and it's um, something that you maybe have a passion to do all the time. Yeah, yeah. Where as a craft, it can be something that you can dabble in and maybe make a hobby out of. Yeah, definitely. And uh, also, also <clears throat> improve. I mean, even if you've got an innate talent or a passion for writing, you know, you don't get Pulitzer Prize winning literature by just drafting off the first thing. You know, it's a, it's something you have to work at, even if you have a bit of a talent for it. And we can all improve. We can all improve our techniques, can't we? I certainly can. I'm learning stuff all the time, you know, and, and I'm not the best speller. I know that's, <laughs> you know, I used to teach English and I had to really check myself. I don't know what it is. There's just certain words I just had a mental block with, you know, accommodation. Too many, st- too many C's and too many M's. I used, you know, I just had this, every time I wrote it, I just had to check myself. You know, I was like, my trusty dictionary was always to hand, you know. And uh, occasionally the kids would go, oh, yeah, I think you've got a spelling mistake. And of course, I always did the classic. I'm just, I'm just checking. You're paying attention. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I suppose in some ways I was driven to to write for a very specific reason. Yeah. And so, my normal canvas, I suppose, in terms of art, is digital. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I do do web design and I do do other uh, things on a more digital level. Yeah, but you're very visual. That's that you've clearly got that visual bent, haven't you? You see the world world very visually, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So putting things into words is sometimes uh, quite a bit harder for me. Right. And so switching to sort of pen and paper, yeah. um, actually was quite difficult for me. Yeah. Um, okay. So difficult, difficult in terms of just trying to find the words, or just you know you you knew you had something to say but you actually could, didn't know how to structure it was it a bit of both know. it was more the fact that i wanted to to say it but i didn't know how to start and okay. um yeah. for me um i mean i've published my story in two books now yeah um, so what are their titles um I, my th- the first book that i um 
part was part of a collaboration with um, seven other women. Yeah, it was called Rise of the Mumpreneur. Rise of the Mumpreneur, brilliant. Okay, and then the second book I was with twenty other women, um, yeah. which was part of um, the Love Thy Body Project series, which is all about body positivity. Oh yeah, we need lots of that definitely to counteract the, some of the stereotypes that we see in the media. I think, I think there is a there is a bit of a change going on, um, which is healthy. Um, so yeah, so at the moment then you've written, but you've you've been part of a pack or a compilation, or you've collaborated, which is lovely with other. Yeah, with other and part of that reason is because I felt very vulnerable. Yeah, um, to yeah. be able to write. On, on a completely independent level so yeah yeah I agree with I mean I think that's a good starting point you kind of you, you get your confidence up and you feel supported and you can share the theme and share the load a little bit with the writing Absolutely. so what so what was the spark then so what's your backstory then um my backstory um well, I'm, I'm 40 now, and yeah. I never imagined that I would be 40 and divorced twice. Oh, um, I could beat you. I could beat you. I was 40 and divorced three times. Oh! <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't recommend it. I don't make, recommend making that as a, as a sort of a, something to attain to before you're 40. But it, oh, it was certainly not a statistic that I was proud of, that's for sure. Cause, yeah, yeah. Um, I was kind of very, very much broken twice. Yeah. Uh, the first time was the children's dad. Uh, yeah. The second time, I tried to rebuild myself, and by the time I'd got my confidence back up to date after the kids' dad, um, I got myself in a relationship for two years. We'd been married for two months when I had two police officers knock on my front door oh, dear. Um, to arrest my new husband for um, indecent images of children. Oh, bless your heart. Um, I then nearly lost custody of my children. Um, he then pursued to harass me for the next two years whilst I was trying to get divorced. Yeah. Um, but because we hadn't been married for 12 months, I wasn't able to divorce him until we'd hit that 12 month. So, I know that to be true because yeah, husband, and it's, husband, it's husband number yeah, husband number three, I won't go all to my backstory, but I can attest to the fact that in English law that you have to be married a full year before you can actually start divorce proceedings, which made life very difficult uh, having this man living in my home for uh, it was just the worst worst time and um yeah so i can totally empathize with that nicola yeah and he pursued me for my house my business assets and bear in mind he hadn't contributed to neither of those things yeah and um it was just oh, it was diabolical so you know i felt that i needed to be able to get this out somehow yeah, um, yeah. But one of the statistics I was given by the, one of the arresting police officers that um, just in my county alone, there was 2,000 other cases, very similar to mine. Now, God, yeah. I can't count for the fact that they'd probably been in their relationships for a short time as mine or that mm -hmm. their perpetrator or the, you know, the person that was involved in the images weren't, the, the, you know, the, the parent. Sure, sure. Um, but I just felt that somebody needed to give, you know, put a voice out there to say that, you know, you don't need to be 
ashamed because uh, yeah. I felt so guilty and so ashamed initially oh, because yeah. everybody of authority treated me like I was the perpetrator. Did they and, really? Did they? Yeah, really? what, kind, the, what kind of things did they say to you without going into all the nitty gritty? What kind of things did you, the, the tone of voice? They expected or? me to understand all of the terminology that they were throwing at me. Right. Um, okay. Without ever having crossed paths with social services before yeah. or having you know and the, the 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 annoying thing about authorities is they're not allowed to say certain words because yeah. they're not allowed to influence the way that you continue your relationships with who yeah. was my perpetrator yeah. because after i managed to break away from him i realized that he had he had actually mentally um abused me he had gaslighted yeah. me yeah yeah and, and- you and know, a lot of that, um, you know, a lot, of, and a lot of that is about control, isn't it? You know. Oh, absolutely. Coercive control and all that would all come into play in 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 those terms now. Mm-hmm. But they weren't allowed to say keywords, so I would kind of go off to Google trying to figure out what it is that he'd been arrested for, what that meant. Yeah. And because of the words I was searching for, they were completely blanked out by Google. You know. Wow! Oh, that must have made you feel like you, you know that you, like you say, that you were imagining maybe this. You know? Exactly. So, um, had you know the the police officers and social services use the word paedophile, for instance? Yeah. Um, it would have processed in my head a lot sooner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they weren't allowed to use that terminology with me. Because it would affect it. It would be them trying Prejudi- to prejudicial to any kind of subsequent, you know, um, absolutely you know, subsequent absolutely. actions. Yeah, I get that totally. Yeah. And oh, you poor thing. And how did you feel? I mean, so you got your feelings down. Did you kind of journal at the time, or did you? Not that was when I discovered or? journaling. Yeah. Um, and I was, I journaled out all my frustration, all my hurt. Yeah. all of my pain and then I realized then you know that I, I was feeling the healing process that was coming along with that yeah yeah, um, yeah. that was then when I decided that I felt I needed a, to be able to put it out to a large audience I think um, you know I think the best teachers in life are the people that have had the, the most trauma because they they kind of lay a breadcrumb trail for people to follow afterwards and say, look, you know, it's not saying you should do this or should do that, but I'm modeling, I'm telling a story that's anchored in reality and it's authentic. And if yeah. any of this resonates with you, if any of this is kind of, you know, you think, oh, well, actually that that's happening in my life. You know, it, that's that's where the, the value of that kind of writing comes to play, doesn't it? You know, that you want to kind of, show other people and other women especially that they, they they don't have to be made to feel like it's some big issue that they've created in their minds because I didn't have anything quite to the same extent but there were elements of it that's, that, that was very similar to your story um, and I had a devil of a time with my own family because mm. they kind of liked the guy you know and it was like oh here we go again another failed relationship it must be something you're doing which was so incredibly hurtful, you know, because they oh, I kept a lot of things away from my family because I didn't want to upset them. Um, but it, it did, did me no favours. You 
exactly. I mean, he tried to um, withdraw me from having access from to my fan base. Oh. Um, he had tried to um, turn all my friends against me, and he quickly realised that he wasn't able to achieve that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and thankfully, I had and still have an incredibly supportive family. Um, the children's dad actually was able to step up and support me wholeheartedly, even though he had um, been told by social services to pursue full access and full custody. Um, By the time I'd um, stepped away, I did hold my name back to the same name as my children's. And I I did check with my, my first husband that he was comfortable with that. Yeah. Um, because obviously it was the same name I carried when I was married to him. Yeah. yeah. And obviously it made sense to do that because that's yeah. how I'd been known for nearly uh, for nearly ten years. Yeah, definitely. Uh, because we were married ten years before everything fell to the wayside. Yeah. And yeah. Um, you know, I have now got an absolutely amazing co-parenting relationship with him and his um, his soon-to-be wife. Well, that's really positive, isn't it? You know, that's from all of this, actually, it's you've realised that you're still a family unit. Yeah, you're not husband and wife anymore, but you're a family unit. You're always going to be family. And I think that's that's, that's very, very positive. So you, you wrote um, the Rise of the Mumpreneur and Love Thy Body Project. So with the Rise of the Mumpreneur, who... You know what was the what was the catalyst kind of uh, agree to write the compilations with that? Um, the catalyst for that was um, going through the divorce process. Um, um, I was in the thick of it when um, I actually was approached to be part of the book. Uh, yeah. By the time, um, <laughs> by the time. We actually got to the retreat to write in, in Spain and uh, to Marbella in Spain. Oh, very nice. <laughs> it was a lovely writer's retreat. I've made some lifelong friends from doing that. Yeah. I mean, I was going to ask you, you know, how how you did your writing. And actually, I'm, I'm about to set up a writing retreat up in Cumbria when I move in the summer. And... Um, there are two schools there are people who just can fit it into their everyday and I take my hat off to those people because I I get terribly distracted and then there's people who have to literally block out chunks of time and literally take themselves away from their normal existence um and and go somewhere beautiful like that um I'm incredibly jealous at that idea of going to Marbella in Spain it's just so tempting at the minute um to, to you know to to feel that you can you know just have that space that supported space to kind of get in the flow with your writing yeah it was incredibly supportive um and it, it was 2019 when we wrote it oh. the retreat started um the monday following the financial court proceedings the friday before wow um so i'd come fresh out of court almost um having um succeeded in being able to throw out any financial proceedings against me that he had initiated so i was ready to celebrate (laughs) yeah 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 so it came along at the right time didn't it oh fab 
Absolutely. Yeah, and a, and a week after I'd got back, um, I'd got my decree absolute laying on my doorstep. So, wow, that you know, was a sign. <laughs> yeah, it was an incredible journey for me, and yeah. it was strange because the date on the decree absolute was actually two days, uh, two years to the day from yeah. when I last walked away from him in the car park. Oh. Yeah, that was some um, that was some sort of universal kind of uh, woohoo, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, certainly, because I can remember the last words that he said to me, um, and he didn't know that they were going to be the last words he physically said to me. Yeah, and he said to me, "Those, um, you're not the woman I thought I married." And as I was walking away, and I said it, so he couldn't actually hear me, and I said, "No shit, Sherlock." Oh, you should have said it out loud and proud. <laughs> no, because he he was somebody I was scared of. By the time we'd he'd basically um, wound me up to a position where he was living with friends. Yeah. Um, he controlled me up to a point where I was regularly going to visit him with his friends. He'd taken control of certain possessions of mine that had sentimental value. Yeah. And on that particular day, I'd managed to reclaim some of those possessions. Mm-hmm. And I had no intention of going back to see him after that day, but he didn't know that. Yeah. And when I got home on that particular day, my the, the, on the doormat, and I can remember this so clearly, was the court proceedings from the kid's dad. Mm-hmm. And that was the turning point for everything that followed. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So it's... Yeah, I mean, it was uh, an, an awful journey to get there, but you turned this around and put this experience into, you know, maybe maybe some highlighting for other people who are just maybe going through the same experience. And it can only be beneficial. Even if one person, you know, gets benefit from it, that's, that's the purpose, isn't it? You know, it's fantastic. So the other compilation then, Love Thy Body Project, how did that come about? Uh, the Love Thy Body Project one came about um, due to um, the illnesses that I, um, I also experienced. So mm-hmm. okay. um, along with all the other things that I was going through with those partners, mm-hmm. Um, I was diagnosed with a number of conditions along that journey. Right. Uh, one of them is uh, benign intracranial hypertension. Right, okay. Um, um, could you explain that just a little bit? Because I have no idea what that is. Uh, it's excess fluid on your brain. Right, okay. Um, it was diagnosed by um, an eye test. Really? Wow. Yeah, my, my optician sent me to A&E, basically, and I ended up with a lumbar puncture, which oh, is not yeah. the most pleasant thing to No, I can imagine. I can imagine that was very scary. The second lumbar puncture that I had left me with Bell's palsy in my face. Oh, yeah, I've had uh, family members be affected by that. And, um, yeah, it was quite a journey getting the muscles to work in their faces again. I mean, it returned, but it was it was, it was, was scary. So part of my body positivity journey was kind of coming to terms with the fact that my face doesn't necessarily behave the way it used to anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. husband number two... Um, discharged me from hospital before I was able to get proper treatment for the Bell's palsy so it took me a lot longer Aww. to recover than it should have 
and I just about managed to regain my smile properly before we got married. Yeah, yeah. But also, after everything had finished, and I think it was about six months after I published in uh, Rise of the Month on Earth, yeah. um, I was also diagnosed with quite a rare um, autoimmune condition called Sjöv-Strauss. Oh, yes, I have heard of that. Yes, okay, yeah. Um, which cool. means that my blood is actively attacking my body. That's right, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, good thing. <laughs> having to come to terms with long-term health conditions and when I do need to go to hospital I need to go pretty quick yeah, uh, yeah. and then you kind of left with a team of people that have no idea how to treat you because of various things that they don't understand yeah exactly it's not it's it's not common it's not in their common everyday experiences and maybe even experienced practitioners will probably only see one or two cases in their entire career so yeah i get that totally so yeah it was about me coming to terms with the fact that you know I, although um i might not necessarily be the slimmest person in the world i'm around sort of a size 20. Mm. i am I have to live with a certain amount of steroid intake every single day to, to help my blood behave itself because if it doesn't, yeah. Um, yeah. my blood can break down the actual tissue that makes up my internal organs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so it's um, but 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 at least you know it's been diagnosed. It's re regularly monitored. You, you're very self-aware. Um, yeah. Yeah, and and I'm sure without delving too deeply on this podcast, I'm sure a lot of the stresses and anxieties building up to this within your body, you know, about your relationships and things have not contributed, uh, have completely contributed to some of the exacerbation of maybe some of the symptoms. So, you know, where would you say you are at the moment in your life in terms of uh, I don't want to use the phrase getting your shit together, but you know what I mean. You know, where, where do you feel like you've got through it? Do you feel you've got through this? Are you still processing this? Have you still got things you want to achieve to get to a certain point? And are you going to be feeling brave enough to write on your own? Um, I'm getting to the point now where I feel that I am able to produce um, technical guides of yeah. my own. Yeah, uh, yeah. In terms of my illnesses, um, I don't let myself be defined by the medication that I take. Yeah. Um, because when when I was 37, I was also diagnosed with Asperger's. So I kind of think about things quite differently to the average person as well. So. Well, you're um, just, it's different, but it's uh, every Asperger's person that I've ever come into contact with. I mean, I just feel they're very special in terms of... Um, you know that the you see the world differently absolutely i think that's terrific and i think that's what moves us on in life it's not thinking like everybody else it's thinking outside the box and actually if that's if that's directed uh, in the right way i think that's an absolute i think you've got a superpower frankly <laughs> i think it's <laughs> awesome <laughs> Oh, in my life, there is no box. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. But the superpowers, you know, from the pixie box, you know, I think that should be the title of your new book. 
<laughs> I think you I think you've got plenty that you could share with people and and I'm always encouraging my guests to think about getting their writing down about because everybody wants to know about people's backstory and as humans we thrive on stories um, and I want I, my mission is to tell people that actually you have got a story in you Absolutely. you have just got to learn how to shape it even, and, even um, my business name, Pixie Box, has a story. Yeah, come on then, share it. Okay. Um, I do my own branding as well. So my little Pixie actually started off in the corner of a yeah. box. Yeah. Um, for my branding. So it was a lovely grey box. I've got the word Pixie Box next to it. And at the end, was a little Pixie, um, sort of knees up to her chest with wings behind her. Yeah. And at this point in my um, recovery cycle, it would have been about four or five months after I'd managed to walk away from husband number two. Yeah. And I was going through um, some counselling. Yeah. And I was doing a confidence course provided by Mind. <clears throat> and by the time I'd finished the same confidence course, two or three weeks later, yeah. My pixie had slowly emerged from the box oh, and she was laid across the top of the word pixie box yeah. with her legs now sort of bent and sort I of... I wonder what you were going to say then. <laughs> Over her bottom with her wings proudly flapping behind her and with a laptop in front of her. Yeah. So pixie box was then, the pixie box word then became her bird. And yeah. she was laid across the top of it with her laptop. Fabulous. And that yeah. was me emerging from my box, gaining my confidence back. Yeah. And yeah. actually being proud to be back out in the world because I'd, I'd literally gone from being in a dark room to oh. being back out in the sunshine. Yeah. I mean, anybody who meets you, I think, you know, I've met you through networking and, you know, I would never have guessed that. About your backstory um you know just from that because we all we all do this we all have our game face don't we we all present a certain side to us um and it this is why i find it fascinating to talk to people because every single person i've had on this uh, podcast you know their backstories are so complex and so woven and so um, the journey, you can you can see the journey to becoming the woman they've eventually become in the present time. Um, and I found it incredibly uplifting, you know, listening and, and feel very privileged that, you know, you come on and you share your stories and stuff because it's, I, I honestly, I think it's just the best thing listening to, to, to powerful, you know, you're a powerful woman um that you've you've not been broken by this and that's the best revenge you know in broken relationships is you know you just dig in get yourself out the trenches and make a success um and it's the best thing to shut up the naysayers and the people who want to do you down it's just you know you're living your most authentic life despite the, the challenges and we've all got challenges Nicola Absolutely. I mean I'm not one single person that hasn't got stuff baggage you know things that they feel that has broken them that they've come back from the edge I mean I faced the abyss a couple of times in my life and you know I really really and I'm not ashamed to say it 
I could quite easily have taken my life, you know, um, because I was in such a dark place. But mm. something held me back. Um, and But I've, I've stared into the abyss and it, I don't ever want to go back into that zone. And I know how not to go near that edge anymore. So, you know, I just think it's so fantastic for you to share this story. Um, so what are plans are for the future? Where, where are you seeing, you know, where you can take your business and your writing, etc.? Um, writing, I'm looking at doing some um, very sort of, I suppose, straight to the point tech guides for, um, for busy business owners. So mm-hmm. okay. um, I do run um, some tech workshops. Um, I do do a lot of sort of tech advice and stuff if you catch me on the right places online. Um, so I'm not scared to offer out advice to people. Yeah. Um, I don't offer relationship advice, no. <laughs> it's yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, that's pretty low on my list of priorities about any sort of non-fiction writing I'll be doing. It's like, nope, I'm not doing the old autobiography. There's too many skeletons. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not letting a man in my life again. Not for a long time, not at least until the kids are a lot older. I don't think I could yeah. trust them with what I've been through. Yeah, I I get that. You still um, there? Yes, I am. I'm still here. Yes, I totally get that. And um, uh, yeah, so writing, I'm looking at there's some more tech manuals. Yeah. Uh, in terms of my business, I've just gone into partnership with a big coaching company in London. Woo woo! And um, that's called GTEx Digital Media. So I'll be offering slightly different tech services with them. Um, yeah, things are on the up. I'm, I'm a lot braver than I used to be, and I'm certainly stronger than I was. So oh, yeah, it's yes. all interesting stuff. It's all interesting stuff. So that is fantastic. Well, we could obviously chat for ages. You know, it's it's just such a fascinating subject to delve into. Thank you for sharing your stories with us. That's brilliant. So, if people want to connect with you, Nicola, where's the best place? Hello. Uh, Nicola. Oh, it's still there, Ali. Yes, it's. Do you know? Did I warned you this might happen, didn't I? <laughs> yes, I'm still here. Can you hear me? Oh, we've. I think. I think. Oh, hello, Nicola. You still there? You still connected? Still connected? Oh, okay. So we'll we'll wrap it, we'll wrap it up there. So that was Nicola from Pixie Box. Can you hear me, Nicola? Oh, what a shame. So we've just lost Nicola at the end there. So that's a wrap, folks. Thanks for listening. Cheerio. Toodaloo for now. And goodbye. Thank you, Nicola. Bye. Welcome to my latest podcast, Little Red Typewriter, where you follow my journey to get my first book published this year. In this second series, whilst I'm waiting for the big edit and production on my own book, I'm chatting and interviewing other writers and speakers who are a few steps ahead of me in getting their messages out into the world. So today I'm joined by the lovely Nicola Reynolds from Pixie Box. She's a web solution expert and basically helps people find their way through the maze of technology. So welcome Rachel, uh, sorry Nicola, how are you doing? I'm fine, thank you, you. 
Yes, very, very fine. And what's the weather like over where you are in the woods? Uh, it's a little bit chilly, uh, but it's dry, so it's not too bad. I know, but for May, yeah, honestly, this is chilly for May, especially when there was a ground frost last night. And I'm like, seriously, I've actually had sunburn on May the 1st in the past. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit crazy, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So um, I'm hoping the rest of this uh, this month is going to be a lot warmer than April because the poor old plants don't know whether to, to kind of poke their little heads out without getting frozen stiff. Um, so okie dokie. So today I'm going to kick off with the question I ask all my guests, Nicola, and it's basically, do you think writing is an art or do you think it's a craft? Or basically, do you think it's a bit of a mixture of both of them? Oh, that's a bit of a tricky one because art implies that it's something that you have a inclination to do and it's um, something that you maybe have a passion to do all yeah. the time. Yeah, yeah. Where as a craft, it can be something that you can dabble in and maybe make a hobby out of. Yeah, definitely. And uh, also, also <clears throat> improve. I mean, even if you've got an innate talent or a passion for writing, you know, you don't get Pulitzer Prize winning literature by just drafting off the first thing. You know, it's a, it's something you have to work at, even if you have a bit of a talent for it. And we can all improve. We can all improve our techniques, can't we? I certainly can. I'm learning stuff all the time, you know, and, and I'm not the best speller. I know that's, <laughs> you know, I used to teach English and I had to really check myself. I don't know what it is. There's just certain words I just had a mental block with, you know, accommodation. Too many, C's, too many C's and too many M's. I used, you know, I just had this, every time I wrote it, I just had to check myself. You know, it's like my trusty dictionary was always to hand, you know. And uh, occasionally the kids would go, oh, yeah, I think you've got a spelling mistake. And of course, I always did the classic. I'm just, I'm just checking. You're paying attention. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I suppose in some ways I was driven to to write for a very specific reason. Yeah. And so, my normal canvas, I suppose, in terms of art, is digital. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because I do do web design and I do do other uh, things on a more digital level. Yeah, but um, you're very visual. That's that you've clearly got that visual bent, haven't you? You see the world world very visually, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So putting things into words is sometimes uh, quite a bit harder for me. Oh, and so switching to sort of pen and paper yeah. um, actually was quite difficult for me. Yeah. Um, okay. So difficult, difficult in terms of just trying to find the words, or just you know, you you knew you had something to say, but you actually could, didn't know how to structure it. Was it a bit of both? No, it was more the fact that. I wanted to to say it, but I didn't know how to start. And okay. um, yeah. for me, um, I mean, I've published my story in two books now. Yeah. Um, so, what's, what are their titles? Um, I, my th the first book that I um, part was part of a collaboration with um, seven other women. Yeah. It was called Rise of the Mumpreneur. Rise of the Mumpreneur, brilliant. Okay, and then the second book I was with 20 other women, um, which was part of um, the Love Thy Body Project series, which is all about body positivity. Oh yeah, we need lots of that, definitely, to counteract the, some of the stereotypes that we see in the media. I think, I think there, is a, there is a bit of a change going on, um, which is healthy. Um, so, yeah, so at the moment then, you've written, but you've 
you've been part of a pack or a compilation or you've collaborated which is lovely with other yeah other writers. and part of that reason is because i felt very vulnerable yeah um, to yeah. be able to write on, on a completely independent level so yeah yeah i agree with i mean i think that's a good starting point you kind of you you get your confidence up and you feel supported and you can share the theme and share the load a little bit with the writing Absolutely. so what so what was the spark then so what's your backstory then um my backstory um <clears throat> well I'm, I'm 40 now and yeah. i never imagined that i would be 40 and divorced twice oh um, i can beat you i can beat you i was 40 and divorced three times oh <laughs> 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 Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I don't recommend it. I don't make, recommend making that as a as a sort of a something to attain to before you're forty. But it, oh, it was certainly not a statistic that I was proud of. That's for sure. Because yeah, yeah. Um, I was kind of very, very much broken twice. Yeah. Uh, the first time was the children's dad. Um, yeah. The second time, I tried to rebuild myself, and by the time I'd got my confidence back up to date after the kids' dad. Um, I got myself in a relationship for two years. We'd been married for two months when I had two police officers knock on my front door. Oh, dear. Um, to arrest my new husband for um, indecent images of children. Oh, bless your heart. Um, I then nearly lost custody of my children. Um, he then pursued to harass me for the next two years whilst I was trying to get divorced. Yeah. Um, but because we hadn't been married for 12 months. I wasn't able to divorce him until we'd hit that 12 month. So. I know that to be true because yeah, husband, and husband, husband number yeah, husband number three. I won't go all to my backstory, but I can attest to the fact that in English law that you have to be married a full year before you can actually start divorce proceedings, which made life very difficult. Uh, having this man living in my home for uh, it was just the worst worst time and um yeah so i can totally empathize with that nicola yeah and he pursued me for my house my business assets and bear in mind he hadn't contributed to neither of those things yeah and um it was just oh, it was diabolical so you know i felt that i needed to be able to get this out somehow yeah, um, yeah. But one of the statistics I was given by the, one of the arresting police officers that um, just in my county alone, there was 2,000 other cases, very similar to mine. Now, God, yeah. I can't count for the fact that they'd probably been in their relationships for a short time as mine, or that mm. their perpetrator or the, you know, the person that was involved in the images weren't, the, the, you know, the, the parent. Sure, sure. Um, but I just felt that somebody needed to give, you know, put a voice out there to say that, you know, you don't need to be ashamed. Because uh, yeah. I felt so guilty and so ashamed initially. Oh, because yeah. everybody of authority treated me like I was the perpetrator. Did they, they really? Did they? Yeah, really? what, kind, what kind of things did they say to you? Without going into all the nitty gritty, what kind of things did you? The, the tone they of voice. They expected or... me to understand all of the terminology that they were throwing at me, right? Um, okay. Without ever having crossed paths with social services before, yeah. or having, you know, and the the. the, the the annoying thing about authorities is they're not allowed to say certain words 
because they're not allowed to influence the way that you continue your relationships with who was my perpetrator because after i managed to break away from him i realized that he had he had actually mentally um abused me he had gaslighted me yeah yeah and you know, and a lot of that, um, you know, a lot, of, and a lot of that is about control, isn't it? You know. Oh, absolutely. Coercive control and all that would all come into play in 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 those terms now. Mm-hmm. But they weren't allowed to say keywords, so I would kind of go off to Google trying to figure out what it is that he'd been arrested for, what that meant. Yeah. And because of the words I was searching for, they were completely blanked out by Google. You know. Wow! Oh, that must have made you feel like you, you know that you, like you say, that you were imagining maybe this. You know? Exactly. So, um, had you know the the police officers and social services use the word paedophile, for instance? Yeah. Um, it would have processed in my head a lot sooner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they weren't allowed to use that terminology with me. Because it would affect it. It would be them trying Prejudi- to prejudicial to any kind of subsequent, you know, um, absolutely you know, subsequent absolutely. actions. Yeah, I get that totally. Yeah. And oh, you poor thing. And how did you feel? I mean, so you got your feelings down. Did you kind of journal at the time, or did you? Not that was when I discovered or? journaling. Yeah. Um, and I was, I journaled out all my frustration, all my hurt. Yeah. all of my pain and then I realized then you know that I, I was feeling the healing process that was coming along with that yeah yeah, um, yeah. that was then when I decided that I felt I needed it to be able to put it out to a large audience I think um, you know I think the best teachers in life are the people that have had the, the most trauma because they they kind of lay a breadcrumb trail for people to follow afterwards and say, look, you know, it's not saying you should do this or should do that, but I'm modeling, I'm telling a story that's anchored in reality and it's authentic. And if any of this resonates with you, if any of this is kind of, you know, you think, well, actually that that's happening in my life. You know, that's that's where the the value of that kind of writing comes to play, doesn't it? You know, that you want to kind of show other people and other women especially that they, they they don't have to be made to feel like it's some big issue that they've created in their minds because I didn't have anything quite to the same extent but there were elements of it that's, that, that was very similar to your story um, and I had a devil of a time with my own family because mm. they kind of liked the guy you know and it was like oh here we go again another failed relationship it must be something you're doing which was so incredibly hurtful, you know, because they oh, I kept a lot of things away from my family because I didn't want to upset them. Um, but it, it did, did me no favours. You know? Exactly. So, I mean, he had tried to um, with, withdraw me from having access from, to my family. Oh. Um, he had tried to um, turn all my friends against me. And he quickly realised that he wasn't able to achieve that. Yeah. Um, and thankfully, I had and still have an incredibly supportive family. Um, the children's dad actually was able to step up and support me wholeheartedly, even though he had 
um, being told by social services to pursue full access then full custody yeah um by the time i'd um stepped away i deep pulled my name back yeah to the same name as my children's and i, I did check with my, my first husband that he was comfortable with that yeah. um because obviously it was the same name i carried when i was married to him yeah. yeah, and obviously it made sense to do that because that's how I've been known for nearly uh, for nearly ten years. Definitely, uh, because we were married ten years before everything fell to the wayside. Yeah. And yeah. Um, you know, I have now got an absolutely amazing co-parenting relationship with him and his um, his soon-to-be wife. Well, that's really positive, isn't it? You know, that's from all of this actually it's you've realized that you're still a family unit yeah, you're, not, absolutely. you're not husband and wife anymore but you're a family unit you're always going to be family and i think that's 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 very very positive so you you wrote um the rise of the mumpreneur and love thy body project so with the rise of the mumpreneur who you know what was the what was the catalyst kind of uh, agree to write the compilations with that um the catalyst for that was um going through the divorce process um, um i was in the thick of it when um i actually was approached to be part of the book and yeah. by the time um <laughs> by the time we actually got to the retreat to write in, in Spain, uh, to Marbella in Spain. Oh, very nice. <laughs> it was a lovely writer's retreat. I've made some lifelong friends from doing that. Yeah. I mean, I was going to ask you, you know, how how you did your writing. And actually, I'm, I'm about to set up a writing retreat up in Cumbria when I move in the summer. And... Um, there are two schools there are people who just can fit it into their everyday and i take my hat off to those people because i i get terribly distracted and then there's people who have to literally block out chunks of time and literally take themselves away from their normal existence um and, and go somewhere beautiful like that um i'm incredibly jealous at that idea of going to marbella in spain it's just so tempting at the minute um to, to you know to to feel that you can you know just have that space that supported space to kind of get in the flow with your writing yeah it was incredibly supportive um and it, it was 2019 when we wrote it oh. the retreat started um the monday following the financial court proceedings the friday before wow um so i'd come fresh out of court almost um having um succeeded in being able to throw out any financial proceedings against me that he had initiated right. so i was ready to celebrate <laughs> yeah 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 so it came along at the right time didn't it oh fab Absolutely. yeah and, and, and a week after i'd got back um i'd got my decree absolute laying on my doorstep so wow that was, was a sign <laughs> yeah it was an incredible journey for me and yeah. it was strange because the date on the decree absolute was actually two days uh, two years to the day from yeah. when i last walked away from him in the car park oh yeah that was some um, that was some sort of universal kind of uh woohoo wasn't it <laughs> oh certainly because i can remember the last words that he said to me um 
and he didn't know that they were going to be the last words he physically said to me yeah and he said to me um, you're not the woman I thought I married and as I was walking away and I said it so he couldn't actually hear me and I said no shit Sherlock oh you should have said it out loud and proud (laughs) no because he he was somebody I was scared of by the time we'd he'd basically um wound me up to a position where he was living with friends um he controlled me up to a point where i was regularly going to visit him with his friends he'd taken control of certain possessions of mine that had sentimental value and on that particular day i'd managed to reclaim some of those possessions and i had no intention of going back to see him after that day but he didn't know that yeah and when I got home on that particular day, my the, the, on the doormat, and I can remember this so clearly, was the court proceedings from the kid's dad. Mm. And that was mm. the turning point for everything that followed. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. So it's, yeah, I mean, it was uh, an awful journey to get there, but you turned this around and put this experience into you know, maybe maybe some highlighting for other people who are just maybe going through the same experience. And it can only be beneficial. Even if one person, you know, gets benefit from it, that's that's the purpose, isn't it? You know, it's fantastic. So the other compilation then, Love Thy Body Project, how did that come about? Uh, the Love Thy Body Project one came about um, due to um, the illnesses that I um, I also experienced. So, mm-hmm. okay. um, along with all the other things that I was going through with those partners, mm-hmm. um, I was diagnosed with a number of conditions along that journey. Right. Uh, one of them is uh, benign intracranial hypertension. Right, okay. Um, and could you explain that just a little bit? Because I have no idea what that is. Uh, it's excess fluid on your brain. Right, okay. Um, it was diagnosed by um, an eye test. Really? Wow. Yeah, my, my optician sent me to A&E, basically, and I ended up with a lumbar puncture, which... Oh, it's not yeah. the most pleasant thing to No, have. I can imagine. I can imagine that was very scary. The second lumbar puncture that I had left me with Bell's palsy in my face. Oh, yeah, I've had uh, family members be affected by that. And um, yeah, it was quite a journey getting the muscles to work in their faces again. I mean, it returned, but it was it was it was scary. So part of my body positivity journey was kind of coming to terms with the fact that my face doesn't necessarily behave the way it used to anymore. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but husband number two um, discharged me from hospital before I was able to get proper treatment for Bell's palsy. So it took me a lot longer Aww. to recover than it should have. Yeah. And I just about managed to regain my smile properly before we got married. Yeah, yeah. But also, after everything had finished, and I think it was about six months after I published in uh, Rise of the Month on Earth, yeah. Um, I was also diagnosed with quite a rare um, autoimmune condition called Sherbrooke Strauss. Oh, yes, I have heard of that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, which cool. means that my blood is actively attacking my body. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, you're a good thing. Good so, 
having to come to terms with long-term health conditions and when I do need to go to hospital I need to go pretty quick yeah, uh, yeah. and then you kind of left with a team of people that have no idea how to treat you because of various things that they don't understand yeah exactly it's not it's it's not common it's not in their common everyday experiences and maybe even experienced practitioners will probably only see one or two cases in their entire career so yeah I get that totally so yeah it was about me coming to terms with the fact that you know I, although um I might not necessarily be the slimmest person in the world I'm around sort of a size 20 mm. I am I have to live with a certain amount of steroid intake every single day to, to help my blood behave itself because if it doesn't yeah. um, my blood can break down the actual tissue that makes up my internal organs yeah absolutely um, yeah so it's um but 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 at least you know it's been diagnosed it's re- regularly monitored you, you're very self-aware um, yeah yeah and and I'm sure without delving too deeply on this podcast I'm sure a lot of the stresses and anxieties building up to this within your body you know about your relationships and things have not contributed have completely contributed to some of the exacerbation of maybe some of the symptoms so you know where would you say you are at the moment in your life in terms of uh, I don't want to use the phrase getting your shit together, but you know what I mean. You know, where, where do you feel like you've got through it? Do you feel you've got through this? Are you still processing this? Have you still got things you want to achieve to get to a certain point? And are you going to be feeling brave enough to write on your own? I'm, I'm getting to the point now where I feel that I am able to produce um, technical guides of yeah. my own. Yeah, uh, yeah. In terms of my illnesses, um, I don't let myself be defined by the medication that I take. Yeah. Um, because when when I was 37, I was also diagnosed with Asperger's. So I kind of think about things quite differently to the average person as well. So. Well, you're I, just, it's different, but it's uh, every Asperger's person that I've ever come into contact with. I mean, I just feel they're very special in terms of. Um, you know that the you see the world differently absolutely i think that's terrific and i think that's what moves us on in life it's not thinking like everybody else it's thinking outside the box and actually if that's if that's directed uh, in the right way i think that's an absolute i think you've got a superpower frankly <laughs> i think <laughs> it's awesome <laughs> Oh, in my life, there is no box. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. But the superpowers, you know, from the pixie box, you know, I think that should be the title of your new book. <laughs> I think you, I think you've got plenty that you could share with people, and and I'm always encouraging my guests to think about getting their writing down about because everybody wants to know about people's backstory, and as humans, we thrive on stories. Um, and I want uh, my mission is to tell people that actually you have got a story in you. Absolutely. You just, you've just got to learn how to shape it. And, even even um, my business name, Pixie Box, has a story. Yeah, come on then, share it. Okay. Um, I do my own branding as well. So my little pixie actually started off in the corner of a yeah. box. Yeah. Um, 
for my bandeau. So it was a lovely grey box. I've got the word pixie box next to it. And at the end was a little pixie, um, sort of knees up to her chest with wings behind her. Yeah. And at this point in my um, recovery cycle, it would have been about four or five months after I'd managed to walk away from husband number two. Yeah. And I was going through um, some counselling. Yeah. And I was doing a confidence course provided by Mind. <clears throat> and by the time I'd finished the same confidence course, two or three weeks later, yeah. my pixie had slowly emerged from the box. Oh. And she was laid across the top of the word pixie box yeah. with her legs now sort of bent and sort I of... I wonder what you were going to say then. <laughs> Over her bottom, with her wings proudly flapping behind her, and with a laptop in front of her. Yeah. So Pixie Box was then the Pixie Box word then became her bird, and yeah. she was laid across the top of it with her laptop. Fabulous. And that yeah. was me emerging from my box, gaining my confidence back. Yeah. And yeah. actually being proud to be back out in the world because I'd, I'd literally gone from being in a dark room to be back out in the sunshine yeah I mean anybody who meets you I think you know I've met you through networking and you know I would never have guessed that about your backstory um you know just from that because we all we all do this we all have our game face don't we we all present a certain side to us um and it this is why I find it fascinating to talk to people because every single person I've had on this uh, podcast, you know, their backstories are so complex and so woven, and so um, the journey you can you can see the journey to becoming the woman they've eventually become in the present time, um, and I found it incredibly uplifting, you know, listening and, and feel very privileged that you know you come on and you share your stories and stuff because it's. I, I honestly I think it's just the best thing listening to, to, to powerful you know you're a powerful woman um, that you've you've not been broken by this and that's the best revenge you know in broken relationships is you know you just dig in get yourself out of the trenches and make a success um, and it's the best thing to shut up the naysayers and the people who want to do you down it's just you know, you're living your most authentic life despite the, the challenges. And we've all got challenges, Nicola. Absolutely. I mean, not one single person hasn't got stuff, baggage, you know, things that they feel that has broken them, that they've come back from the edge. I mean, I faced the abyss a couple of times in my life. And, you know, I really, really, and I'm not ashamed to say it, I could quite easily have taken my life, you know, um, because I was in such a dark place. But mm. something held me back. Um, and But I've, I've stared into the abyss and it, I don't ever want to go back into that zone. And I know how not to go near that edge anymore. So, you know, I just think it's so fantastic for you to share this story. Um, so what are plans are for the future? Where, where are you seeing, you know, where you can take your business and your writing, etc.? Um, writing, I'm looking at doing some um, very sort of, I suppose, straight to the point tech guides for, um, for busy business owners. So mm -hmm. 
um, I do run um, some tech workshops. Um, I do do a lot of sort of tech advice and stuff if you catch me on the right places online. Um, so I'm not scared to offer out advice to people. Yeah, um, I don't offer relationship advice now. <laughs> it's yeah. Um, yeah, I mean that's pretty low on my list of priorities. About any sort of non-fiction writing I'll be doing, it's like nope, I'm not doing the old autobiography. There's too many skeletons. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm not letting a man in my life again not for a long time. Not at least until the kids are a lot older. I don't think I could yeah. trust them with what I've been through. Yeah, I I get that. You still there? Um, Yes, I am. I'm still here. Yes, I totally get that. And um, uh, yeah, so writing, I'm looking at there's some more tech manuals. Yeah. Uh, in terms of my business, I've just gone into partnership with a big coaching company in London. Woo hoo! And um, that's called GTEx Digital Media. So I'll be offering slightly different tech services with them. Right. Um, yeah, things are on the up. I'm, I'm a lot braver than I used to be, and I'm certainly stronger than I was. So oh, yeah, it's yeah. all interesting stuff. It's all interesting stuff. So that is fantastic. Well, we could obviously chat for ages. It's, you know, it's it's just such a fascinating subject to delve into. Thank you for sharing your stories with us. That's brilliant. So, if people want to connect with you, Nicola, where's the best place? Hello. Uh, Nicola. Oh. It's still there, Ali. Yes, it's, you know, did I warned you this might happen, didn't I? <laughs> yes, I'm still here. Can you hear me? Oh, we've, I think, I think, oh, hello, Nicola. Are you still there? Are you still connected? Still connected? Oh, okay. So we'll, we'll wrap, it, wrap it up there. So that was Nicola from Pixie Box. Can you hear me, Nicola? Oh, what a shame. So we've just lost Nicola at the end there. So that's a wrap, folks. Thanks for listening. Cheerio. Toodaloo for now. And goodbye. Thank you, Nicola. Bye.